In its quest to provide an open forum for discussion of controversial issues, this station allows hosts and their guests to express themselves without any significant censorship. You're advised that any views expressed by the hosts or their guests are not necessarily the views of Tuggy Entertainment or its partners. Welcome to Stop Raising Einstein. Your host, Tara Kennedy Klein, is out to dispel that myth of the perfect child and encourage parents to let them out of the box. Each child is unique, and this show is just the place to stand up and shout out that fact that children need to be raised to discover their own unique brilliance. So right now, join the queen of accountability who advocates positive parenting and unique education for spirited children. Here is your host, Tara Kennedy-Klein. Hey, Parent Nation. Welcome to Stop Raising Einstein. I am in one of those spaces today because, well, first of all, it's Dad Day, one of my favorite days of the month. <laughs> uh, anyway, we'll, we'll, we'll skip that. But anyway, I love Dad Day because we get to talk to a guy and get a male perspective on all things parenting and um, that's just completely fun for me. But the second coolest thing about this dad day is that I'm talking to a guy who like if if you were a girl I would call you my soul sister because my guest is like the male version of everything that I dream to be like you know, when I make my vision boards and all of that shit. So my guest today is Charles J. Orlando, and he is, among other things, the author of The Problem with Women is Men, and he is also the co-host of a really awesome web TV show called The Game Over Show, which he co-hosts with my dear friend, Lisa Stedman. And they just rock every single day at 5 Eastern. That's when I watch you. And um, it's it's just the most fun show. You have to go on Facebook and connect with Charles so that you can go on to and get hold of all of the fun and funny and really great information that he puts out there. So a little bit in, in a few minutes, we're going to be talking to Charles about all things man when it comes to parenting, which is just going to be so freaking fun. But before we get into it with Charles, I have to talk about the thing that's totally pissing me off in the news right now because I know that no parent is perfect, but I I cannot tolerate stupidity. And one of the things that is just really irritating the hell out of me right now is I get the whole anti-bullying thing. I get it. Bullying is bad. Bullying is mean. You know, kids are killing themselves because of bullying. But here's the thing. Not every situation where there is conflict involved is bullying. You guys know how I feel about this, and it irritates the hell out of me. But here's the thing. Recently, we had a kid who, um, in a school close to me, where I live, a kid took a knife into school and stabbed another student. Okay? That's horrible. Granted, no kidding. If my kid was stabbed, I would be in orbit pissed off. But here's the thing. What did they do with the kid who's in fourth grade, mind you? They put him in juvie and they expelled him from the school. That's it. End of story. Ooh, really, people? 
that'll fix them. Like, I don't think parents realize what goes on in a juvenile facility. There is no hope for this kid. This kid was was pushed to his absolute limit. He got no help, no support. He was screaming out and crying for someone to pay attention and help him. It, a last resort, he takes a knife in and stabs somebody. And the first thing that we can do, think of to do, is to kick him out of school where he's going to get an education. So let's stop educating the kid and let's put him into a facility with a bunch of other kids who did horribly wrong things. And let's see what would they learn from each other until they age out of the system. And then we put him into society and wonder why shit's screwed up. People, that would be, if you've ever seen a juvenile facility, it's the equivalent of taking all the lions in the zoo and putting them in one cage together and expecting them to work it out. It's insane. They're taking pubescent boys and locking them up together so that they can do more damage to each other. And you know what? If you work in a juvenile facility, my heart goes out to you. I have dear friends. I've worked in those situations. I know what goes on. You're not bullshitting me. You, you, we're not doing the best that we can for these kids. We need to get it right. We need to have an argument about mental health, but not locking people up, getting people help. That's what we need to start talking about. Oh, my gosh. It, next week, we're going to have a guest on that's going to be talking about that. So just solid, flat out. What are we doing wrong and what can we do better? Because we're grown ass adults and we can't figure it out. So that's what's pissing me off. Do something about it. Call somebody. If you have a kid in this situation, talk to them. There's a thought. Oh, my gosh. But anyway, I'm, I'm rambling. So Charles J. Orlando, are you there, my friend? <laughs> I am. How are you? <laughs> I'm afraid. I'm afraid to come off the show now. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I love you, Charles. <laughs> well, I love you too, and thank you for having me. You Absolutely. started with a with a great rant. You you started with a great rant. I would I would jump in right with you and say, you know, everybody talks about the kids and they throw them in they throw them in juvenile facilities and they kick them out of school and do all this, but no one talks about the parents. Like what you just described is really a it's it's a it's an, a finale of whatever had led up to that. Not only with this kid and all the other people that that he interacted with this school, but whatever environment he's coming out of. So, you know, exactly. so where's the rest of the accountability? There is none. We flushed it. I don't know what we've done with accountability. I'm so tired of parents saying, the reason that I don't connect with people anymore and the reason I don't listen to experts is because they all want me to be perfect. No, we don't. We want you to have common sense. Right. I'm, I'm with you. Well, and the experts don't have it perfect either. They just have perspective. There's a big difference. Yeah. You know, I, I always say I don't like the term parenting expert because no one's gotten it that right yet. <laughs> no, <Alex>. no. <laughs> <laughs> sure we do. Sure, you and I, we've got it nailed. I've never made a mistake, ever. Ever. Never. Not never that I'd admit my to. Kids. Nah. <laughs> It's so well, you true. Can, you can put me on the hot seat. I'll admit it. Go ahead. It's true. But you know what? There, therein lies the difference, Charles. It's the, it's the accountability. 
you know, it's being able to go back and and not blame the school system and not blame, you know, the other kid. And but going back and saying, what could I have done differently? And how can I still fix this? We we've become such a disposable society that we throw our kids away. Well, it's not just the schools doing that. It's it's the parents doing that because you get a lot of you get a lot of young kids, anybody under the age of thirty, I would put in that category, who don't really know what it takes or what their parents went through to raise them. Uh, mm-hmm. So you you end up with people saying, "Wow, this is like a lot of work. Like I, I don't know if I want to do this full time." So they end up filling their time with other things. Um, and kids, a lot of times, kids end up raising themselves. And, you know, for anybody who, who is raising their kids the right way, I, I'm not talking about you, so please, I get enough hate mail, like, save it. Um, but, <laughs> but and, you know, it, it, there's, there's not enough, in my humble opinion, there's not enough put uh, on the parents today where the schools are ultimately responsible for everything. And I don't agree. I don't agree. I don't. I think it's ridiculous. I I think that we put so much onus on the schools, and they're doing the best that they can. I mean, their hands are tied on so many levels that we don't even get. But I think more importantly, unless you're the Duggars and you're raising like twenty kids, chances are <laughs> you're not you're not taking care of a classroom at a time. I mean, we won't even go down that road, but I mean, that's, oh my God, that's, that's not a vagina. It's a clown car, (laughs) but anyway, stop it, stop it. But, um, if you're not raising a classroom of kids at one time, you have a responsibility to get to know that person that you've either created or brought into your home to raise you have a responsibility to get to know that person intimately. And Absolutely. you're not you're not making a carbon copy of yourself. That's not what parenting is about. I think we've lost sight of that too. You know, it, your kids aren't going to be exactly like you. They're not going to think exactly like you. They're not going to enjoy the same things that you do. Exact my my kids can't stand my music, but I'm not going to force them to like it. Because that's something that society says it's okay that they can be different in that way. But no we have some, right? Yeah, no, I'm with you. Well, and as a dad, like, so I have, I have two kids, uh, 17 and 14. And if I had to narrow down my job over the last 17 and a half years with both of these kids, um, there's three constants and they end up vacillating depending on, but they all, they all reside in the same court. Core thing. So there, there's three tenets that I've operated by, uh, and that is love, limits, and guidance. Um, love's a, com- a constant. Limits is how not only kids learn what's acceptable in the world, but how they don't get their, their asses handed to them back at the house, right? Not physically, mm-hmm. just getting in trouble. Um, right. And guidance is where you end up in their teenage years where your parenting, your quote-unquote parenting job is done um, because they, they need a different type of parenting. They need to be able to go make mistakes. They need to be able to go in and make their own good and bad choices. And as long as it's not life-threatening, you don't have to turn back into that parent again. 
um, and you end up a, a, a guidance. You end up giving them guidance, not not parenting like that anymore. Um, and it's challenging for a parent to, to go in between, walk through the raindrops, especially in teenage years. Uh, so, but, but the, the, a lot of parents aren't giving all of that. They're either living vicariously through their kids, so they end up wanting to right all the wrongs that they had in their, in their schooling or their, their childhood or their young adulthood. They want to fix it all instantly, prevent mistakes, um, or they just don't have time earlier on. Like, you know, it's, it, for me, it's those three. I love that. And we're going to go to break, but when we come back, we're going to talk about the do's and don'ts of creating an effective parenting team. Stay tuned for more of the show. Tara, the self-proclaimed queen of accountability, loudly advocates positive parenting and unique education for spirited children. She wants to help you shout out the fact that children need to be raised to discover their own unique brilliance. We'll be right back. Everyday Autism Miracles with Shannon Pinlock. Friday afternoons at 2, 1 central on toginet.com. Life after an autism spectrum diagnosis doesn't have to be difficult. It can be joyful, happy, and filled with hope. Join Shannon Penrod, author, speaker, coach, and mom of a six-year-old recovering from autism for this inspirational hour of hope. She's even authored a series of children's autism books with her son, Jim. For more information about the books, Shannon, and Everyday Autism Miracles, go to her website, shannonpenrod.com. From there, you can also get to her other websites, blogs, and connections. On Everyday Autism Miracles, you'll hear stories from parents whose children have made miraculous strides. You'll also get the inside dish on therapies, treatments, supplements, and how to get funding to help you afford them. Miracles abound in the autism community. So tune in for Everyday Autism Miracles to listen, share, laugh, and surround yourself with hope. Everyday Autism Miracles with Shannon Penrod. Friday afternoons at 2, 1 central on Toginet.com. Are you powerless to stop making choices that hinder your happiness, your peace of mind, your sense of fulfillment, or success? Have your choices resulted in broken relationships, job losses, and financial chaos? Then be here for Strategies for Healing from Addictions with your host, Gary and Sharon Worrell. Monday mornings at 9 a.m. Central on the Rockstar Radio Network. Strategies for Healing coaches and empowers and seeks to help people discover their goals and reach those goals quickly. Provide structure, tools, and perspective to help clients accomplish more in their lives. To encourage clients to think bigger and realize their full potential. Strategies for Healing endeavors to see each individual come to a place of purposeful living apart from addictions. Check out the website, strategiesforhealing.com. Then join us for Strategies for Healing from Addictions with your hosts, Gary and Sharon Worrell. Monday mornings at 9 a.m. Central on the Rockstar Radio Network. Welcome back to the show. Tara's passion and purpose is to redirect parents who are frustrated trying to raise the perfect child in an imperfect world and encourage them to discover the unique brilliance in their children in themselves, even on those days where they wonder why they ever had kids in the first place. Here she is, Tara Kennedy Klein. Hey, 
welcome back to the show. I am so happy to be sitting here with my friend Charles J. Orlando, the author of The Problem with Women is Men. And I, you know, I have a total opinion on that too, Charles, but we have opinions about everything. So that's not, not a show. You? I would have never <laughs> guessed. Ever. <laughs> I am such a quiet little person. You know, it's so funny. I, I like found my love of performing in musical theater in high school. And I got to play Winifred the Woebegone in a show called Once Upon a Mattress. And one of the first, well, the first song that you sing as that character is a song called Shy. And it is the most obnoxious song about this girl who's like, I've always been shy. I confess that I'm shy. And to give you an idea, Carol Burnett played the role on Broadway. Oh, my God. gosh. It was like my it was like my my theatrical coming out song. It was like that set the pace <laughs> for the rest of my life, I swear. So, um, yeah, no shortage of opinions at all. But before the break, you were giving us your your three basic tenets of parenting. And I really love the, the whole idea of um, disciplining, but not, um, oh, let me give you an idea of what I mean. I can't stand that so many parents today believe that the word discipline and the word punishment are synonymous. Mm, right. You know, to me, that's a, that's a really good point. You know, it's it, it drives me crazy because they they weren't called inmates; they were called disciples. They were following the the spiritual path of the person that they wanted to be most like, and that's kind of what our children are. Our children are supposed to be following our path, following our lead. Um, getting experience in life and understanding of life through. Our, our teachings, not our floggings, you know, Agreed. not our insults. Well, and, too many, and too many times parents think that discipline has, is something that's physical uh, yes. instead, of, instead of maybe harsher guidance um, or just plain limits that are imposed. Uh, parents have a hard time giving limits. They think it's not, and not all parents, right, but so many parents have a hard time not only not only issuing limits out um, and or punishments that come with those limits, but they they have a hard time sticking to them. So it's like you're grounded for a week, and then three hours passes, and it's like don't do it again. You know we're exactly. good, we're good. Like, and that's not the way kids learn, um, and that certainly isn't the way the world operates once they leave the nest, right? So it's. It teaches them bad things at home, and it teaches them bad things later as far as accountability, um, which is reflected in our society just behaviorally. When you have a lot of people doing this, you end up with not a lot of accountability uh, outside the home once people enter society. And, and I think we can see impact of that today uh, and, and have over the, last, uh, over the last 15 or 20 years how, how things have changed um, from the boomer society where there was tons of of accountability and tons of limits imposed, um, usually with the stay-at-home mom and, like, all this other great stuff. And now things have, have altered dramatically. And I have to, the one thing that is screaming at me when you're saying that is, in the boomer society, when my dad was being raised, Grandpop made the rules. 
Grandpop said, this is my house, these are my rules, and you're going to follow them. And Grandma said, yes, that's right. This is Grandpop's house, and these are his rules, and you're going to follow them. And I'm going to be the deputy who carries it out, but these are Grandpop's rules. I don't think we have that anymore, Charles. Well, I think I think you're right for a couple of different reasons. I think one of the one of the most challenging is that so often the the parents aren't living under the same roof, so they're not aligned as a couple. Uh, mm-hmm. They end up not aligned as parents. So that would be the first thing. Um, but the second would be that a lot of these men don't know what it takes to lead that way. They either lead through coercion uh, or they lead through intimidation, and nobody can be disciplined that way. Uh, and no one can be led that way through uh, through forcible action. It does it doesn't work. Um, so I don't know I don't know how so many men lost what they observed from their own fathers, um, but they but they did uh, a lot a lot have and and certainly not most but plenty uh, to to make fundamental change in how in how kids relate to men today. Do you think that they lost it? Or do you think that they remember it completely, but their wives have become so empowered that they've disempowered them from acting it out? Well, so I have to, nobody can disempower you. You choose to be disempowered. Uh, unless they have a gun to your head. No mm-hmm. one can, can take your own individual power away. Um, you're talking about the rise of feminism and how that's emasculated men, potentially. Um, mm-hmm. I, 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 I don't think so. I don't think so. Uh, you know, and I and I probably say that as a as a different type of man, right? Um, I would put myself in the strong category, uh, but there's so many men who don't know how to handle women who have come into their own power. So can I can I give a little history of how this kind of came to be? Um, sure. Is that all right? <laughs> so, <laughs> well, feminism's been around for you know hundreds and hundreds, probably thousands of years. You can go all the way back to the Salem witch trials and, and to how. Yeah, and further back, but you know that would be the most most telling example um, where you have women who had knowledge and they were doctors and they were put to death. Uh, so you bring that up to to the mid twentieth century uh, when World War II came around, and you end up with women who are being thrust into power because they had to. Society demanded that they step into their power and do something for the world that was beyond just raising kids and sitting in the kitchen. Uh, as a result, men ended up going off to war. Women came into their power. When they came back from war, uh, as a result, these men wanted them to go back to the kitchen like that was great, now return. And women were like, nice try. We've got a taste of the good stuff, and now we're not going back. Uh, and men haven't known how to react to that. Uh, and, and how to and how to deal with women who are now not only mothers and wives, but they're actually women doing what they wanted to do the whole time, in addition to being mothers and wives. So, um, to your to just full circle to your point, those women are not emasculating men by stepping into their own individual wants and needs and embracing what they want out of life. Um, men, a lot of men just don't seem to know how to act or react when it comes to a strong woman who knows what she wants. Um, that takes a different type of co-parenting, teamwork in a marriage, and a different type of leadership from a man. Because I'm not saying that 
women being strong means that men don't don't assume their primal role and lead. They do. Uh, but it's in a, in a slightly different way. You can't drag her by her hair and bonk her on the head, drag her back to your cave. It doesn't work I that way anymore. I kind of like that. <laughs> well, <laughs> there's a time and place for that, right? I mean, you know, some, some men read my writing and they're like, oh, you just want all men to be little bitch-ass men. No, I don't. No, I don't. Women want a strong man. They want to be taken in bed. There's all kinds of stuff that women want. But, but men have to know how to embrace which side of like their lunar and their solar, uh, their masculine and their and their feminine ways to because everybody has them um, to to know which applies to the situation that they're in. So you know, does she want you to listen and and talk about parenting issues and really collaborate on a solution for your kids at a certain point? Yes. Is there going to be a different time where she's like, I just can't deal with this shit. Like, go handle your kid. I can't deal with this. Yeah, she's going to want that, too. Is she going to want all that to go out the window to have him just assume his alpha male role and take her in bed? Probably. Like, you know, you have to, like, work through all of that, and that's part of knowing which part applies to which situation you're in. Uh, and as men, I think that so many men either don't know uh, or, or don't know how to, to do that. They think it's one way or the other, and it's not. Yeah, I, totally, I totally agree. No, I love that. I love that because I see it. I see it in every married couple that I work with as far as parenting goes. You know, it's it's a matter of they don't have the communication skills to be able to right. say to each other, this is what I need from you right now. You know, right. I had, well, I had it, to learn how to say to my husband, I don't want you to fix this. I just want you to listen. Right. Well, and it, it plays out in parenting as well, especially as kids get older. You know, it's uh, I mean, as a toddler or as as a tween, you don't have to do as much listening as you do pontification. of This is the way it is. Mm -hmm. But as soon as they they start coming into their own kind of existence and embrace their own individuality and want to express it, that's the fastest way to alienate your, your teenager is to tell them how it's going to be. That's when they rebel and they won't be able to rebel enough. Um, mm -hmm. And that's where guidance comes in. But it's the same thing. Like a lot of men, they end up leading their marriages or their families the way they lead their teams at work. Uh, uh. And, and you can't do it that way. You know, you can't do it that way. Yeah, I get a lot of drill sergeants and prison wardens. I get a lot of those. Um, and it's just, it's, a, it's not that they don't have the best interests of their family at heart. It's just that they don't know how to leave that level of authority at the door and allow themselves to be vulnerable to what's going on inside their home. It, it, it's just a, it's a different and uncomfortable level of vulnerability for a lot of them, I think. No doubt. Well, and, and with that, when you start talking about communication and communication skills, you know, you, you end up with a lot of people, not just men, but a lot of people who who look at their kids and tell them something and the kid says something different back and the parent says, we're not communicating. Mm. What you're actually saying is that nobody's listening to each other because communication doesn't mean necessarily to advocate your view. You have to listen. Exactly. And we come back, we're going to be talking about how to get the romance back in the relationship.
Stay tuned for more of the show. Tara, the self-proclaimed queen of accountability, loudly advocates positive parenting and unique education for spirited children. She wants to help you shout out the fact that children need to be raised to discover their own unique brilliance. We'll be right back. Do holidays and celebrations get you down and leave you feeling frazzled? Then join Sandy Fowler and her guests on Heartfilled Holidays every Monday at noon, 11 a.m. Central on toginet.com. Sandy will help you discover the secrets to having the celebrations you've always dreamed of while adding fun and meaning to your life. From Valentine's Day to Christmas to special family events, Sandy Fowler will show you how to put the fun and meaning back into those special days by taking a look at what we can do to turn the upcoming holidays into cherished memories and show us how to allow it to intertwine with everyday life. For more on the show, Sandy, and to receive Sandy's Holiday Happiness Booklet, go to HeartfilledHolidays.com. Then get set to discover the secrets to creating happy holidays and happy everydays by joining Sandy Fowler and her guests on Heartfilled Holidays every Monday at noon Eastern Standard Time on Toginet.com. Get the competitive edge and take your success to the next level with the Gold Medal Success Show and your host, Forrest Fisher, six-time U.S. National Gold Medalist. Tune in every Thursday morning at 8 a.m. Central, 6 Pacific, here on the Rockstar Radio Network. As Forrest gives you access into the mindset of true champions and helps you apply these success principles to your life and business for immediate results. Each show will feature guest athletes and business experts who have achieved tremendous success and are ready to share their stories of struggle, glory, tragedy, and triumph, revealing tips and strategies Forrest and these guest experts use to propel themselves to world-class success. Many people live their whole lives wanting more. The Gold Medal Success Show will demonstrate that anyone can have a more fulfilling and satisfying life when they put a few basic principles into play. Make every day game day with the Gold Medal Success Show each Thursday morning at 8 a.m. Central here on the Rockstar Radio Network. Welcome back to the show. Tara's passion and purpose is to redirect parents who are frustrated trying to raise the perfect child in an imperfect world and encourage them to discover the unique brilliance in their children in themselves, even on those days where they wonder why they ever had kids in the first place. Here she is, Tara Kennedy Klein. Thanks for sticking with us, folks. We are chatting with Charles J. Orlando today, which is always just an amazingly fun conversation. Usually it's in a bar, though, Charles, so this is kind of unique for us. (laughs) (laughs) Well, right, and neither of us are slurring, so it's perfect, right? No, thank you. Thank you for having me on, for sure. (laughs) Absolutely, absolutely. I, um, I wanted to have you on for more than just the fact that you crack me up and you have such amazing points of view, but also because as a relationship expert, I really wanted to share with with the listening audience some ways that we can, as parents, kind of get back on the same team. I know that we talked before the break about, you know, what we're doing wrong, how we've screwed it up. I want to talk about how we can fix it because I'm one of those people that if you always talk about what's broke, nothing ever gets done, right? 
Well, definitely, and it's easy to talk about what doesn't work, right? That takes no no effort at all. You can just observe and you can see what sucks, uh, and that's that's easy. I um, and for, for the days, record, but... there's a <laughs> say that again. I said I could bitch for days, but it's fixing it. That's a problem. <laughs> well, yeah, but but so firstly, I would say that there's a lot of parents that are that are doing it right or on the path of doing it right. So we're not talking about you, um, but so you know when they're when we start talking about about how to do things right, um, I, I would start at this by by saying so many couples get together. And they're not, in my, let me back up. In my humble opinion, no one is really married until you have children, okay? Because there's only one set of dynamics you have to screw around with, and that's yours and your significant others. And that's it. That's it. Mm-hmm. As soon as you get another person in there that has responsibilities, wants, needs, desires, uh, to-do items, you know, all this stuff, then you end up having to work as a team. And teamwork isn't necessarily natural for everyone. Um, that's a learned skill a lot of time, a lot of times. So that's what ends up making marriages so challenging. Uh, and it's, you never really know how, what your parenting style is going to be until you're actually in the midst of doling it out. Uh, mm. you, don't, you don't know because you haven't been a parent before. Uh, and parenting styles change over time. Because uh, you end up learning stuff, and the, the wars that you fought with your first child, you don't fight with your third because you know how what a waste of time it is. So sure. all these things end up in the mix, right? Um, where, where do you want to? So what should where should we go from here? Where do you want to? Where do you want to well, take this part of it? My thing is a lot of what I deal with where the breakdown happens and i and i couldn't agree with you more i think one of the even bigger thorns that you can throw into that is when you have a child with special needs because i found that mothers are devastated because they feel that it's their fault fathers are devastated because it's something that they can't fix right so, right i agree with both of those so uh, that, that's it, how they feel. Yes. So they're coming from it. They're coming at it at two different angles. You know, a, a lot of the moms that I deal with just want to nurture and coddle and keep things easy for their child um, to relieve the, the suffering. Right. And dads right. want to um, they want to take charge and they want to fix it and they want to, you know, just just. Just do what I did, and I don't understand why he can't just do this or she can't just do that. And, you know, this is what all kids do, and they think that if they just push them down that path of normalcy, that somehow the kids will get it. You know, they'll, they'll just, like, fall in line, and, and they'll be fixed. And so a lot of the, the conflict that I see is the the two natural parenting styles of the dad wanting to be authoritative and take control and the mom saying not with my baby you don't so <laughs> you, you know so mom I, I i see them contradicting each other a lot i see them scolding each other in front of their kids and causing blame Bad. and shame which which Bad. just right so how do we fix that? How do we start that conversation towards 
getting on the same page and becoming a team that can tag each other out instead of smack each other in the back of the head. Right. Well, the only time you can have your own individual parenting style is if you're, you're a single parent. That's the, only, that's the only time. So if you want to be making all the decisions uh, when the child is with you, all you have to do is get divorced. It's really simple, and then you can make all the decisions you want uh, by yourself. <laughs> Uh, in, until then, everything's usually a negotiation. The challenge is that where, where kids end up working their way into the, into the bad dynamics of the situation is that if you have two parents that aren't aligned because they have their own stuff going on underneath the relationship that has nothing to do with parenting, they have a combination of listening problems, control, uh, all this other stuff that exists in the marriage, it ends up coming out as they try to discipline their kids. And kids can see the separation, so they end up playing one to the other um, in order to get what they want. And now you end up with, you know, a disaster zone when it comes to a family unit. Uh, in order for parents to fix this, everybody has to be listening to each other and not undermining anything. There are plenty of decisions that my wife has made about our kids that I don't agree with. Um, and you know what? I don't have to agree with it. What I have to do is know my place and back her play in front of the kids, and then she and I can go off and talk about how I didn't think it was the right decision, and then we can figure out whether you know it, that has any that has any merit or not away from them. In the meantime, we are a complete and total united front in front of the kids. If I discipline the kids, she doesn't say anything. She lets it all go down, even if I'm making a mistake. Uh, as long as no one's getting physically hurt, right? I don't do that, but there's some parents right. who, who yeah. do that, right? That's where things yeah. get screwed up. But unless you're a united front in front of the kids and there's one parenting unit together, you're dead because they'll they'll work in between to try to to try to maneuver and, and get what they want out of the deal. The kids doing that because kids so are how smart, man. That? We don't give them enough credit. They are smart. Oh, come you know? on. They know so much more than parents want to give credit for at much earlier ages uh, than, than most people would, would consider them, them paying attention. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, toddler years, they know, they know how to work the system. Come on. If I cry for Absolutely. three minutes, I won't get anything. But if I make it three and a half, I'll hit that magical irritation button and I'll get what I want. Like, they know that it's <laughs> one and a half, right? They know that it's six months. They know that Absolutely. it's six months. So, uh, you know, so how, to your point, how does this get fixed? You know, it, the best advice I can give any parents, any married couples, is to listen more than you speak to each other. Um, people think that you have to agree with what the other person's saying, and, and you don't. There's no rule there that says you have to agree. Just listen with empathy and without judgment. And you'll, I mean, you know, it, it goes to the old adage of, uh, you don't know how anybody, I'm paraphrasing this terribly, by the way, um, you never know what anybody else is going through until you walk a mile in their shoes. So if you can put yourself in their place with how they feel, not with how the situation is, just how they feel, um, then you might understand where they're coming from and then talk through it. You know, at the, at the end of the day, when it comes to parenting and relationships, you end up with a choice. You can either be right or you can be happy. And you have to pick which one you want. Mm, I love that. I, lo I, I do. I absolutely love that phrase. You can either be right or you can be happy. My husband <clears throat> says, I'd agree with you, but then we'd both be wrong. It's not the same thing.
But no. <laughs> we, we, and what's we, wrong with everybody being wrong as long as they're on the same page? <laughs> Then are you really wrong? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. You know, one thing that we found, actually there were two things that we found that really, really worked for our family because my husband and I both have very, very big mouths and very strong opinions. It's unfortunate, but we have very, <laughs> we have good kids, so I guess we figured it out early enough on. We didn't damage them too badly, but two things that we did was we started writing each other notes because we found that when we tried to talk, we were talking at over and through each other instead of to each other. And, um, we weren't really having conversations as much as we were having like battles of wits. Right. And so we would write things down. And it's really hard to argue with words on a page. I mean, I do it on Facebook all the time, but that's different. It's if you're if you're reading something, you're reading it in your own tone. So you yep. can read it five or six times before you have an opportunity to respond to that person. That worked really well for us. The other thing that we did was we created a model of counting to three in our head while the other person is speaking. And after they said their last word, we would count to three before we would say anything. Mm. And what it did was it, it kept us from doing that internal dialogue where you're not really hearing them. You're just deciding what you're going to say to them next. It, it, it eliminated that because you were listening to what they were saying because you wanted to hear the, for the break. Right. And that, right. that completely changed the way we talked to each other. So... I think there's a lot of like from what you said too. There's there's a lot of communication that needs to come back that we've lost. It's and it's sad. And I think a lot of that well, comes from the fact that we don't eat together. <clears throat> I hate that. We're gonna go to break in like thirty seconds. But <laughs> <laughs> Carrie, our producer's like these are good tips for couples too, like dating couples. <laughs> yes, Carrie, I know he is a relationship expert. <laughs> so well, we can talk of, about some of those listening issues if you want. It's up to you. Come back from our break. Yeah, it's okay. up to you. That'll be awesome. And I also want to get in bed. I, I want to. I parents need to get that back. So you're going to help them, Charles, get their mojo. Totally. Okay. When we come back from this break. Totally. Stay tuned for more of the show. Tara, the self-proclaimed queen of accountability, loudly advocates positive parenting and unique education for spirited children. She wants to help you shout out the fact that children need to be raised to discover their own unique brilliance. We'll be right back. Are you happy with your life? Satisfied with the direction you're taking? More importantly, are you content with the results you're seeing? Then Success Profiles Radio is the program for you. Join host Brian K. Wright as he talks to experts in many areas relating to life success, including expertise in leadership, business, relationships, careers, networking, health, 
overcoming adversity, and much more. Each week, we'll explore different aspects of success and how to apply them to your life. For more on Brian and the show, check out his website, briankwright.com. Each week is a dose of inspiration. So many people live their lives wanting more than they currently have. Success Profiles Radio is a show that will clearly demonstrate the principle, if I can do it, you can do it. So don't miss this opportunity to take control of your life and your results. Success Profiles Radio with Brian K. Wright, Mondays at 5 p.m. Central on the Rockstar Radio Network. Network presents the Diva Download with Tracy and Tasha. If you think Diva is all about attitude and drama, think again. The Diva Download is the premier online radio program where girls of all ages, shapes, sizes, and colors get together to redefine what it means to be a diva so that all girls can discover their inner diva and develop a healthy sense of self-worth and self-esteem. Being a true diva means you're diverse. Involved, value-driven, and active. That's today's diva. If you want to celebrate the girl in your life through education, encouragement, empowerment, and entertainment, join us every week on Tuesdays from 6 to 7 p.m. Central Standard Time and celebrate the essence of being a girl only here on the WooHoo Radio Network. Welcome back to the show. Tara's passion and purpose is to redirect parents who are frustrated trying to raise the perfect child in an imperfect world and encourage them to discover the unique brilliance in their children in themselves, even on those days where they wonder why they ever had kids in the first place. Here she is, Tara Kennedy Klein. Hey, everybody. We are in the home stretch of an awesome show with my guest, Charles J. Orlando, for Dad Day. I told you I love Dad Day. It's the best. Um, Charles, before we get into the whole um, bedroom thing, I want to make sure that everybody knows how to get in touch with you, connect with you, all that stuff. Um, on Facebook, it's just, your Facebook is The Problem is Men, Right. Right. The, Facebook.com slash The Problem is Men. The book title is The Problem with Women is Men. Cool. And then the, the website is TheProblemIsMen.com. Right. And then on Twitter, you're at Charles J. Orlando. So that's right. and there's easy plenty, stuff. Plenty of, other, plenty of other places to find me, including Instagram and blah, blah, blah. So you go to the website, you'll, you'll find everything. Cool. I, it, it, you are so fun just to interact with on social media because, it, you know, one day you'll just put out a whole bunch of quotes and then another day it'll be like a full out rant. And it's and every day during the week is the game over show, which I absolutely love. And <clears throat> it's not just for dating anymore. <laughs> no, it's not. The game over show has been a hell of a ride and you can find out more about that at thegameovershow.com. Uh, Lisa Stedman and I co-host together. She is just a, a riot, and we have a lot of fun getting to the crux of, of what's uh, challenging relationships today and how to move past it to a love life that you want. And we approach it 
from a very street smart standpoint. So I love, I love, I, you know, I think the problem with experts is everything's too clinical. Everything has a big name. It's like, it's like whoever uses the most big words wins. And that's not getting through to the general public. You're not reaching anyone if your only objective is to intimidate them. Well, and right, so- and, and a lot of the stuff doesn't apply outside of a clinical setting. I mean, the classic example is when you go to couples therapy, they hand you a speaking baton, right? And the only person who's allowed to talk is the person who holds this friggin' baton. And that doesn't work out when you're at home in an argument with your spouse about the kids and there's laundry and commutes and dishes and homework and lunches to make and, and all this other nonsense, like you don't have the baton. Then you start arguing who's holding the baton. And before you know it, you're fighting and wrestling for the friggin' baton so that you can talk. Like, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. I just beat people with it. <laughs> right. That's what it's for, right? <laughs> it's for me to bludgeon you over the head until you shut up and let me talk. That's what the baton is for. Actually, actually, that's why we don't use a physical object. We do the counting to three thing, and it works. And if they don't be quiet, then I just put my hand directly over their mouth. Right, for, for three. Let <laughs> me count to three. But, but see, that's the thing, Charles. No therapist, no parenting expert is going to go on television and tell you to do that because that would not be politically correct. Guess what? Life isn't politically correct. Yeah, and, you know, and I, it's not. I've moved away from an entire life of politics, so I don't have to be politically correct, you know, I, because I don't, I don't care. I'm just calling it the way we all see it, hopefully, exactly. a lot, the way a lot of people see it anyway. And, and sometimes it's not even morally that. correct or ethically correct, but we can correct. Well, we can correct absolutely. for our mistakes, and that's the thing that we don't talk about enough. No doubt, no doubt. So here's the thing that I wanted to ask you, which kind of goes along with that. So I'm going to out a very personal, funny story. So my husband and I used to, um, when we were younger, we've been together since high school. So, you know, we were like bunnies and I'm not even going to say anything more about that. But (laughs) so we have kids and we we decided that we're not going to let children affect our romance department at all whatsoever. Okay. So we move into this new house that doesn't have a lock on the bedroom door. And, um, we were, we were kind of in the afterglow. I can say it like that. Right. And from a side of the bed pops my nine-year-old boo. (laughs) You guys were kissing. It totally destroyed our mojo. Like that one moment of our kid knowing that our kid witnessed what was going on in our private, intimate moment, like totally killed our mojo. Now, why did it kill it? Why did because it kill it? I mean, it would have killed it that forever... night for sure. Right. But I think that <laughs> no mo mojo. <laughs> so I think it's because we are forever now worried that our children are going to catch us in the act. And I think that that comes from the images that are burned into our own brains of our own parents and never wanting to subject our kids to that. All right, so let me, let me make a couple of fast suggestions, and I will now out a personal story. Uh-huh. 
So, <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, firstly, get a lock on the door. Done. All right, so that's the first thing. And if you have a problem with that, I, I, I would strongly suggest, like, not having a problem with that. Even if you have one, don't. Because here's why. Like, in, in order for kids to know their place in the hierarchy of a family, parents come first. Like, the marriage comes first. When he comes home from work or she comes home from work, the first person you kiss is your spouse. I mean, that's what the kids see and respond to. So there's nothing wrong with the lock on the door. Why does mom and dad, why do mom and dad have a lock on the door? I don't, <laughs> because it's not fair. That's why. Because I'm the parent. That's why. Um, and that's the end of that. Uh, so that's the first thing. Second thing is, I went through something similar with my son at 10 years old, where he walked in on us, no covers, you know, in the, in the midst of flagrante delecto, right? <laughs> and, uh, and we didn't hear him come in, so we're in the midst of it all, and I see the light appear above me over the head from the door opening, and I freeze, and I hear, ew, slap. And I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> so that's the end of the night, right? Like, you know, everything gone. Game over. <laughs> so, yeah, totally. But I get it. So she, my wife didn't know what to say. And I put on the towel, and I and ended up getting dressed for a minute. And I walked into his room like 10 minutes later. He's sitting there, 10 years old, arms folded, staring at the ceiling. And I walked in with a smile on my face, and I said, at least you know your parents love each other. And he said, yeah, but I didn't have to find out that way. I said, right, well, now you'll always knock. And that was the end of it. And I'm sure he's scarred for life, like all of us are, if you've ever Good walked in with your parents, right? But but whatever, man, like, you know, do I want my kids walking in? No, because the same thing would happen. Everything would disappear and everything would stop and I would be mortified, mortified. But but whatever, like, you know, it's it's to your point, it's a it's 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 mojo that has to be recaptured. So anyway, that's that's where how we handled the same situation. That's awesome. And, you know, I I'm so thankful that you shared that story because now I realize the piece that we missed. And, uh, you did, okay. Did you David, not acknowledge it? Did not did acknowledge like to... it. Oh, boo. Mm-hmm. See? Big mess up there. Faux pas. Oh, well. You know what? We can fix it the next time they walk in. <laughs> yeah, double dare you. I double dare you to walk in the door because you don't know what you're going to find. Like Exactly. <laughs> Double dog. And they'll theory. never walk in again. They'll never exactly. walk in again. They will always knock, I swear to God. <laughs> and, and it's so true. I mean, they don't. They do knock. And uh, I, I don't like that sometimes they stand outside the door. That kind of creeps me out a little bit, too. But anyway, we're not going to go there. So, okay, so let's say the mojo loss has nothing to do with being caught in the act. Let's say it has more to do with the fact that one partner feels like they're doing all of the work and they're totally exhausted. And now here's one more chore that I have to do for you. Right. Because I, I well, have so many parents that are in that. Yeah. Well, I know I hear you. So there's a lot of parents who end up in that, a lot of men and women who end up in that role where, you end up with, with everything being dedicated to children and responsibilities all day. And then magically, at 10 o'clock at night, once the kids are, like, put down if they're an infant or put away or, what, or you know, they're asleep <laughs> or you, you tie them up and put them in the closet 
whatever. <laughs> um, you end you end up like let's start the mood, right? And the mood doesn't exist because now you just want to just sit and vegetate and maybe let cable TV wash over you for a second because because everything sucks right now, right? Like parenting sucks. It's also great and it's all the stuff that we've said, but it also sucks. So the the advice I have for for adults in that situation is when you have kids, you have to start the mood way before you ever enter the bedroom because it's not this instant crazy passion that happens before kids where you walk in the door and all of a sudden everybody rips off their clothes and you tackle somebody in bed. It's it's impossible. Which could also it's work. Highly unlikely. Yeah. Well, it, it <laughs> takes it takes more <laughs> it takes more orchestrated effort than that. And a lot of men and women end up in this complacent state where they forget that foreplay starts way outside the bedroom, um, and they try to to slam pack foreplay, desire, passion into a two and a half minute period so that you can get to the act for its glowing whatever minutes, and then it's over, and you end up going through the motions. Um, in order to get past that, like you have to dedicate time to yourself as a couple. It doesn't make you a bad parent if you say, I'm sorry, honey, we're going out tonight. I'm sorry, we're staying in and you're not invited. Like you can go entertain yourself and we're going to curl up with a movie. Just me and dad, just me and mom. Like that's mm-hmm. it. And that's I not fair. That. Yes, I, I know it's not fair. And that's tough shit. Because that's what we're doing, because we are going to stay parents and adults, not just parents for you. Um, I love that so much, Charles. And I think that, too, we need to realize that sometimes for married couples, foreplay looks like, I'm going to put the kids to bed for you. (laughs) Yeah, no. No. Oh, God, I can't believe our show is over. Can you stand it? Uh, thank you so much, Charles. This was so much fun. I hope you got a lot out of it. And join us next week when we're going to be talking to Mr. Joe about bullying. With your host, Tara Kennedy Klein. Make these Stop Raising Einstein principles your own. Love unconditionally, give freely, laugh openly, learn daily, grow immensely. And of course, listen to